Uh, I told you what I'm drinking. I'm drinking Santa Fe Spirits Apple Brandy. What the fuck are you guys drinking? The classic old granddad bottles and bottles. Nice. Yeah. Well, wait. Didn't <laughs> didn't you say Colton that you bought like a case of it? Yeah, it's an investment. <laughs> it's an investment. <laughs> a very poor investment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also drank this white dog rye that smells like butyric acid. Yeah. It's like. Someone puked in a little Ooh, bottle. Ooh, that's delicious. That was nice. That's fucking delicious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's see. That's like how do you initiate the boy when it comes into your basement? <laughs> Inside the dark, like, creepy can you, basement. Can you stomach this? What else can you stomach? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world's worst podcast, where we aim to fucking piss off yes. everyone. Yeah, so essentially with this podcast, we're going to be talking about the ACSA DC fly-in with the express goal of reducing the federal excise tax. So Colton and I went to DC with a group of about 50 people. Zeno, you know absolutely nothing about what we did, right? Like most things, yes. Outstanding. Do you know what FET is? Uh, I know of it, but no, I think we need an explicit explanation Oh, shit. I was hoping you were going to tell me. I'm just saying it because I don't want to sound really dumb. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the federal excise tax, that's what FET is. Currently for distilled spirits, we're at $13.50 per proof gallon. The goal of this piece of legislation, uh, which is in the Senate and the House versions, it's Bill S-236 and H.R. 747. Essentially, that will lower... The federal excise tax per proof gallon from thirteen fifty down to two dollars and seventy cents, and that's for the first one hundred thousand proof gallons. Colton, did I get my information correct? Because I'm just pulling that out of my ass. Yeah, yeah. For the All first, right. so, uh, sorry, I have my first question. This is uh, it's just going to be me with a bunch of questions because I'm dumb. Um, so after that first, would you say how many cases? Hundred thousand proof gallons. One hundred thousand yeah. proof gallons. All right. right. All right. All right, so after the first 100,000 proof gallons, does it go back up to that 1350 or? The next level is, which sounds like a, <laughs> it sounds like a, one of the big boys wrote it, is your next 22,175 proof gallons is 1334. And then after that, it goes back up to 1350. Which still saves a ton of money. Wait, how much? Sorry. It's like 22,175,000. You're uh, next. Uh, so then when you... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a ton. It's like, which distillery makes that exact amount every year? We can figure out who wrote that. And Cream gun Tory. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love every time you say the name of this company, I want you to just change one letter and one letter only. It'll be like when people try and say Benedict Cumberbatch's Benadryl's name. You know, you just change it just a little bit. Yeah. All right. So you, so you, you were going to talk about this excise tax. So this is a big deal for a lot of a, a lot of craft distilleries for sure. This would be huge. It certainly yeah. impacts the, you know, dream fun factory side of things too. Right. Yeah, I mean, we make about 15 to 20,000 proof gallons a year and that saves us almost 200,000 in taxes. Yeah, which is just incredible. Essentially, this means for anyone under that 100,000 proof gallon threshold, that is Two new employees, an actual marketing budget. I mean, if we have fourteen hundred distilleries in the U.S., you could pretty easily can you know make the argument that you're du- you know doubling that number of new jobs in the country, uh, in addition to 
you know, new income, people are going to be buying equipment. You know, people need chillers, people need distillers, or not distillers, but uh, uh, stills and equipment. So there's going to be a lot of purchasing. A- ACSA did put out a number that I was looking at. I don't know how accurate it is or where they're pulling the information from, but I think they're looking at beer, wine, and spirits for this bill, how it impact. They're claiming that it would create possibly create 20,000 new jobs and $740 million in new wages for calf beverage businesses and allied industries. So that would be everything downstream as well. So again, I don't have a source for that information aside from ACSA, but I mean, I know at least on the small craft that, side, it's, just... it's a game changer. It essentially allows a lot of these distilleries that started three to four years ago to stay in business and not necessarily have to take new investment. Uh, all those distilleries in that age range right now, they're either going to be, I shouldn't say all, but there's a good number of them, a, a worrisome number that could potentially go out of business or need to get rid of some more of their, uh, you know, their actual equity because they need capital. Capital is a problem every single distillery below a certain threshold has in the United States? Uh, I think every single distillery, to be honest with you. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. like uh, Green. That's a really good point. Suntory. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that number, think, was that I, number, so we, was that number just distillery industry, or does that count farmers buying extra grain and chiller makers and still makers and all that? So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure the ACSA's number includes all. They say allied industries, so I'm pretty sure that includes agriculture, beer, because beer gets uh, a, a piece of this too. And I can't remember what the numbers are on beer or wine, but they're included as well. Because so essentially, this bill went through multiple you know evolutions. Originally, it was just spirits, and it was just spirits under under a hundred thousand proof gallons. But then you got pushback from beer and wine because they already have that number essentially and the whole goal of this was to have parity with them so i think they snuck some things in the bill i shouldn't say snuck but they put some things in the bill to help beer help uh wine and then also they added that extra uh amendment on to kind of help out the big guys as well because otherwise they were going to oppose it and quite a few of them actively said if we don't get something more out of this i mean 100,000 proof islands that's a good day for us and then after that we don't we don't give a shit yeah that's Exactly. Well, but I did the math. It's $108 million they save in taxes. That's pretty yeah. good, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's not nothing. It, it definitely you, matters. Any for, way you slice it, it's good Yeah. Um, for us and our end. Maybe not good for the government. Well, well but yes. you, you, add, you add that X many more jobs, and you're getting X amount more in income so, tax and sales tax for things they buy. And I mean, Kind of what I was hearing, too, is from you, Brian, it's like clearly there's a bubble right now, right? Like how much it's exponentially grown, how many distillers there are. And um, so is that gonna, is you, this is going to prevent that burst? This, this so I don't know if I'd delay that delay. burst. Yes, yes. Right. So I don't know that I would use the you know hyperbolic language of a bubble i think it is grown incredibly rapidly i don't see it bursting but i see it plateauing like it's it would really dr- drastically slow i don't think we're going to lose half the distillers overnight if this doesn't go through but essentially we're going to see a lot less investment come into the market because we're going to start seeing distilleries close up shop and right now that hasn't been a big issue there haven't been very many distilleries close up and the few that have tend to do it pretty quietly because they're a commodity. They sell off their stock slowly. All of a sudden, you hear about 400 barrels or so-and-so whiskey on the market. You figure out real quick where it came from, and then the assets start selling off over the course of a year or so. Uh, We're going to start seeing a lot more of that, especially, again, that that distilling range where... (sighs) 
essentially most of these small operations, they're not turning a profit or getting into the black until year five, four if they're lucky. So right now, anything between two and four years, those distilleries are having a really hard time. And they're just operating in the red constantly. There's multiple distilleries we talked to even on this trip that said, if this passes, they will make a profit. They, and they actually said, we would have made a profit this year had it not been for the immense federal excise tax. So that essentially means they get to stay open. Uh, again, or they have to sell off a significant chunk to get the capital. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't quite call it a bubble, but it's damn close. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's going to change the industry here in, a, in the next few years if we don't see some sort of change. Right. Well, and like, so that's that aspect of it. And then the one I was thinking when you were telling me about it just now is that... Um, do you think this will encourage even more distilleries to open up now? Like, oh, well, hey, it makes the numbers more workable, right? For sure. Yeah, right? it I does. Mean, uh, and I, I think... Not well, that well, I have capital to do it. I would Right. Would I, you know. It takes a lot of fucking capital. I what know. I would say I've seen the last probably two to three years is we've seen a slowdown in the number of really small distilleries open up, but we've seen an increase in a lot of the bigger capital distilleries, yeah. you know, people actually coming in, investing and coming in with a couple million dollars. So that's changed. I will, if, if we don't see some sort of FET thing like this happen, then I could see that money start to slowly dry up because people aren't getting that return on investment they had expected. Uh, it's not as viable. So that's my that would be my concern. If this FET does pass, though, I think you're right. I think we'd actually see a new rush because a lot of these small distilleries could actually be somewhat viable, you know, within two years instead of five. So maybe we're going to see some more of these like distill pubs open up around the country, uh, which I is <clears throat> which is definitely the best. Like it's, it was the same thing in the beer world. You had all these production breweries open up early on in the craft scene, and then that started to slow down because you know distribution and shelf space and all that. And then once, once state laws started being better towards brew pubs, it just skyrocketed. So now that there's a couple states yeah, that are starting to allow distillery pubs, I think we're going to see a lot more just small scale. A distillery pub seems very hard to work the numbers right. But right. Yeah, that's a harder weird, than a brew pub. But. That's a weird model. I mean, because people don't pound spirits. Well, we do, but most people <laughs> don't pound spirits like they do beer, right? You know, having six whiskeys, six old granddads. Right. But don't underestimate the margin on cocktails. I just drank I mean, six old granddads. Yeah, that's true. Cocktails yeah. are that's an incredibly too, good yeah. margin. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I, think, I think it's workable. Um, I think the big thing that they're trying to push in this is that it's parity. So this bill is parity with what beer and, beer and wine already gets because the small brewers already pushed something like this through, I don't know how many years ago. Shame on me for not knowing the exact numbers. Uh, but that's that's really what beer, they're trying to beer push. Beer in the 70s and... The senator. Beer in the 70s Repu- and wine and then the 90s. Yeah, I think you're right. That's when the bills right. went through. Was beer, beer got it in the 70s, wine got it in the 90s. Yeah, see, I, I didn't know any of this. See, I'm learning so much, guys. But parody, that was so actually much. my biggest problem. My biggest problem with really? the whole week is that I get why we're driving, we need parody with the other two. But I think it's the worst argument. I don't care if it's fair that the brewers pay more. We just need less taxes on us. It I agree. Be an I actually fairness. It should be fairness. It should be. An I think parity. Hey, we can't afford this anymore. Yeah, Colton's right. I think parity is for some key representatives. I think that matters. I guess. But to me, job creation 
and keeping businesses open is a better selling point. But I don't know. We're I guess we're not in politics, but that that was my gut feeling too. Is like we were not pushing job creation as a vehicle for this bill as much as it should have been. Yeah, I'm certainly not in politics based off the first like five minutes of this <laughs> podcast ever. You mean turning boys into men? Yeah. Boys into men. <laughs> that might mean that, like I teach them how to tie knots and shit. You don't know what it is. Your boy scout leader. You're a troop leader. Yeah. <laughs> tie knots to my butt. I'm like, yeah, it's a double, uh, that was not wide enough. Um, they're never wide enough. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, son. Why, now it's my son. Uh, it's real bad. I'm really bad. I don't have a son, everybody. That The three people that are listening to this. Yeah. I swear to Us God, three. I don't have a son. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed. You said, some, you said something interesting, and I know it's for another show, and we were kind of getting down that rabbit hole kind of a pun intended what i'm going to say here but uh <laughs> you're saying that that level of distillery right like there's yep. i've seen it popping up now too and it's cool it's kind of neat because it's you know as someone for like our side of it colton and my side of it it gets it's different options career-wise right and it's like okay well what do they do that's different from a giant guy like you know green gun tory and um or someone <laughs> smaller like horse hair um so it, it's like that, it's that mid-level thing and then you're seeing i'm also seeing that they're partnering with really big boys and there's like this joint venture thing where they're like their pilot plants and they have their own yeah. brands like if you look at the um i mean uh like jefferson's right jefferson's whiskey right it's a it's from a huge distilling house in kentucky uh not the one i usually talk about but it's made at a smaller craft distillery which is a, it's a neat thing like i so, said it's for another show but you made me think about that you're like huh yeah that market has changed and that's i mean that's within the last three years that's started also happen. i think seeing that you know that's gonna be a really good podcast <laughs> all right well i was gonna say if you look at the if you look at the curve of um you know the distilleries with major dollars and funding starting you know three years ago or whatever and the traction we're starting to get on this bill, I have a feeling, you know, those two might correlate a little bit with, hey, a bunch of millionaires are starting to invest in this industry. Yeah. Politicians are starting to look at that all of a sudden. So Yeah. I mean, I think well, that is a cool So I think you guys raise a good came. point. I kind of call them, they're, they're mid-tier distilleries. I mean, they're nowhere near Beam Bumhori or <laughs> anyone like that or Sazerac. Uh, Sazerac. <laughs> God, I fucking butchered those. Yeah. With They're K. nowhere near those I levels. You fucked up fucking it up. <laughs> I fucked up How fucking it up because I tried so hard to fuck it up. <laughs> Gross. All right, so I feel like that's... I, I definitely know more about what the motive was and what you guys did there. Well, why you went there and what it is, and I feel like any listeners that don't know about that will gain that from that last 20 minutes or whatever. So now I kind of want to know, unless you have things you want to go... And lead me down bullet points. You won't lead me down. They're like, all right. So tell me about what exactly you did. Okay. When you were in so, DC. That's good. real quick. What I'll say too is, um, I do definitely want to have a full podcast on kind of mergers and acquisition and whole purchases versus partial purchases, like what Distill Ventures, which is an arm of Diageo, is doing. That definitely attributes to all this. So I think there's going to be a good tie in there. Um, back to the topic of what we're tra- talking about. One of the 
one of the arguing points against what we were doing is what you brought up, Zeno, which was the cost. So essentially the cost to the government, it's estimated would be 300 to $500 million a year uh, over the course of whatever amount of time. So that's why I think they're trying to make the argument of that $740 million in new wages, because that would be income tax that could be then taxed on a federal level or federal level as well as state level. Mm-hmm. So those were some of the things we were coming up against. So what we did while we were there, and Colton, I'm going to let you jump in here too on this, but essentially ACSA and Discus even before this, so Discus and ACSA did two separate fly-ins for the exact same set of bills. Uh, and we can get into whether that was a good idea or not as well. But essentially the goal was to bring in distillers, distilling professionals, support <coughs> industry, and go visit the people that have already signed on to thank them. That was a small part of it. And then the big part was essentially to try and get more senators to sign on and co-sponsor because right now we have enough co-sponsors in the House. The House is done. It will pass. It would theoretically yeah, pass need, if the bill you came need up. 240, which, you need 218 House reps co-signed, and we have 247. Oh, correct. And that's, that's good. And then Senate, it's we awesome. had 45, and I, well, you need 51, I guess, but 60 if you want it to pass, no problem. So, Yep. Wait, so how many yep. do you have? We had 45. Oh. All right, so, so now we're on a good point. Colton, why don't you be a sweetheart yep. and give me a beer, man? <laughs> it's just way easier for you to get a beer. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> All right, but I'm spitting in it. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> you have no idea how disappointed I am. You didn't give him a slap on his ass when he walked away. Yeah. Thanks, toots. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Now you just offended the female demographic. Good job. Yeah. Uh, if, if you saw what I would have to walk through to get it, it would be terrible. It'd be like six steps. I mean, I gotta step over boxes and shit. Dude, you just made my voice go up. You know I'm excited when I get all squealy. Either that or I'm pinching my fucking grundle. Don't ask me why bundle? I pinch my grundle. Wow. Grundle. That was a good one. Grundle, bundle. Oh, grundle. It's a, bun- grundle, it's a bundle. bundle of flesh between my butthole and my balls. Ah, oh, the taint. You know, I used to call it a chode for the longest time. And I've heard of chode corrected. before. Yeah. But yeah, but that's not. A chode is a short, fat donger. It's fatter than it is mm. long. Yeah. I thought, no, no, no. I thought that was a chode. I thought a chode was a short, fat donger. What did you, what, <laughs> what did, what did what you, word you say? <laughs> I thought you said chote with a T. God, I'm oh, going to no. Google that the now. Chote? What's chote? Do you really yeah, want to Google chote? I'm going to Google chote, Urban Dictionary. I don't know that. I don't okay. know that anything's okay. going to pop up. Chote is, is a derogatory slang abbreviation of the word chotius, which meaning that it is a man's penis, which is a width in length that is wait, uh, which is wider in length than it is long. Ah. So yeah, it's basically another way to say chode. All right, but chotius sounds very studious. So <laughs> no, I'm like, you are the very academia chodius. <laughs> yeah, Lord Chodius the Third. That's a Game of Thrones character. Lord Chodius. He's going to die. He dies. Lord Chodius dies in this week's episode of Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. Wait, I did that backwards. Are you guys all caught up? No. I'm on on season three. Dude, he's an idiot. Yeah, I'm caught up. Dude, you're like, I know. I don't. You're a goddamn child. If it wasn't for this podcast, I probably wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> I mean, he is incredibly sexy, but yeah. besides the sexual, I didn't say I wouldn't have just, sex with he's him. He's a waste. I said I wouldn't talk to him. Mm. Yeah, no, <laughs> why would you talk during sex? Yeah. That's just disturbing. All right, wh- where were we? What was your question? What was your question? I had you know? a question. No, I had a legit. 
Oh, I was just saying, so what did you guys do? Now you told me the numbers, though. That was that was helpful. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, who we need in the house. And, um, yeah, so they kind of all, they round, rounded us all up. So um, we have, ACSA has a um, professional lobbyist. So he kind of sat us and did lobbying 101, where talked about parity, talked about um, what we kind of, what we want to, what points we want to hit, what senators we need, what senators we're just there to thank, and things like that. Um, and then they sort of split us up. The next day, we went to all the meetings on the Hill. Uh, they split us up in kind of, you know, geographical regions, which makes the most sense. I went to the Kentucky offices, the Tennessee offices, Florida offices, just sort of southeast. How many people were with you, like, in your group? Uh, our group was fairly large. We had we had about six to eight. A um, couple people from North Carolina, a few people from Kentucky. Six to eight is large. I'm I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> so yeah, they broke it up into regional, like regional groups. So say they had a Pacific Northwest group. They had Washington, Oregon. Uh, they included Wyoming, Montana. Uh, they basically just tried to bunch us up in somewhat close geographical re- regions. And then we also had a couple industry professionals. So essentially, support guys. So they had someone from BSG. There was a guy from Whiskey Systems, yep. I think. Uh, they basically, again, kind of regional, but also just threw them in, again, to fill out numbers as well. Uh, so they could speak to the fact that a strong distilling industry is good for them as well, which essentially that was, I was a part of that as well, as you know, being media journalist publisher on the distilling side. Uh, they threw me in on the Northwest dish region west side and we would be in groups of anywhere from four i think was the smallest up to the biggest was like eight. Oh, so the the six to eight big region yeah well and, and i just learned that yeah and essentially that changed throughout the day so we had everyone was scheduled between like four and five meetings uh throughout the day and then a lot of people on their own initiative during the downtimes went and saw representatives from their own area that weren't on the list so for example i went and saw one senator and one representative from washington state that had already signed on just basically hey said thank you gave him an invitation to an after basically an after hours party that was another thing we were there to do is basically Mm. we had a reception with spirits Mm -hmm. from a lot of the people that came to basically schmooze these people say hey come taste these Mm. spirits meet a bunch of the people involved learn more about the distilling industry so that was kind of a you know a pitch there as well. All right, so you were telling me who you talked to. All right, so let's you're I guess separated we'll, by regions. We'll start with my day, and then Brian, we can do yours. We didn't really overlap. I overlapped with some guys. Like I went into Nevada's meeting. Oh, wait, um, what was the exact date of this? Too. Let's let's say that for the listener. Oh yeah. Oof. <laughs> uh, seven. That's a really good question. I think I have I it here. It was the Tuesday that they had the uh, oh. vote on healthcare debate. Oh yeah! So it was, it was not the, chaotic the at all. The day that John McCain yeah. came back. Yeah, yeah, we all yeah, watched. Yeah. We got to see a bunch of people in wheelchairs yeah. get arrested. <laughs> That's cool. That's my kind of thing. Best part of that, dude. Cop's your computer's day, gonna sure. die. Go get your fucking charger. <laughs> you Neanderthal, dude. That's racist towards Neanderthals. Chill it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is at least one Thanks, group I will not upset, and that's the Neanderthals. I, I, yeah, the Jews. Fuck <laughs> that. <laughs> wow, there's going to be so many quotes from this that eventually they'll hang us on. They're like Jason Zeno, the Jews. Fuck them. <laughs> so anyway, right, moving so on. Colton, we're terrible people. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Colton was going to tell me. You're telling me about your day. All right, Walk yeah. Walk me through it like I'm a girl. That's interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I got up at 7, had some coffee. <laughs> um, I Did started in... Twice. I mean, I feel like I'd want to shit in the hotel and not when I'm lobbying. Oh, God, yeah. That's a fair question. You got a suit on. You I'm sorry. Let me say it politely. Through. Did you release your bowels? That sounds worse. <laughs> yeah. That sounds way worse. Yeah. Actually, no. I want to shit when I'm lobbying. If you're in like government buildings, yeah. they're probably like plush toilets. All right. Enough. I don't know. I hate. Like, what am I concerned with? I'm like saving money, doing right, our industry helping. I'm like, what are the toilets like in D.C.? Uh, how many ply are there toilet yeah. paper? <laughs> Go on. All right. Seven o'clock. You woke up. Um, we started in, we started in, uh, uh, Rand Paul's office. Weirdly, none of the, neither of the Kentucky senators and also neither of the Tennessee senators are signed on to this bill. I get why Mitch McConnell's not. (coughs) As a leader, you can't really, but being the two biggest whiskey states, you'd think they'd be down with this kind of bill. Or bring jobs back to their... Or not, for some reason. They probably feel strongly about it one way or another. Well, the... Right? That's logical. It sounds yeah, like Yeah, so I... The one argument I heard on the Republican side was from a Wyoming senator. One of the Wyoming senators on board, the other is not. And essentially his argument was, I'm not, like, I agree with you, I want to do this. However, I cannot sign on to any bill that will essentially, how do you put it, that would um, change the tax code. He doesn't want to do anything that would potentially change taxes. Oh, no, it was deficit. I'm sorry. Let me get back up. He will not sign on to any bill that would theoretically increase the deficit, which this based just purely on the lost revenue would. So he wants to do this. He agrees with the industry. He agrees with job creation, yada, yada. But he doesn't want to come out and get beat up for a vote that would essentially, or he doesn't want to co-sponsor a bill that would increase the deficit because that's what his platform runs on. So he's got to wait until it's part of a bigger tax bill. Then he can be a part of it because it insulates him politically, if that makes sense. Uh, So I think that's that's part of the problem. That's a fair house of cards argument. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's what we heard. We heard all day was we can't, what I heard from every single office I was in is we can't support it, but we don't oppose it. Which is super infuriating. Okay, so you're walking me through your day. So you spent the morning. So we, my first meeting was at like eight thirty or nine, I think eight thirty, over at uh, Rand Paul's office. We met with wh- whoever the guy is that does his sort of tax, um, tax plans and everything. One of his staffers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he. Yeah, I didn't meet with the actual senator all day. They were busy voting on health care. Wait, so. a senator didn't want to talk to you? Yeah, it was town. weird. <laughs> They did on Grinder the night before. Yeah, but then, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Crickets oh, the wow. next day. <laughs> Hard Daddy. Who was it? Hard Daddy. Stiff Daddy. Stiff Daddy. Yeah. That was my. That's my. Looking gr- to explore the halls of Congress. <laughs> that's my Grinder name is Stiff Daddy. So we were we were waiting in the hall before, um, before we got in there, and we we're like, why the hell is he not signed on to the bill? We're obviously going to ask him. Um, you right, know, and in a berating fashion, all six to eight of us yelling. Uh, what he got in and immediately was like, "Hey, look, we we really support this. We uh, Rand actually wrote parts of the bill, especially with Kentucky. They have some aging provisions in the bill. I'm hmm. um, talking about paying taxes uh, on 
on your spirits when it moves out of when it's done aging versus when you produced it. When it's dumped and bottled. Yeah. Something like that. I, I'm not 100% on what the actual um, provision is. But but then the staffer goes, well, but what he's really concerned with some of the uh, tax breaks that the wine industry is getting because this whole bill, the whole reason it's, it has any traction at all is all three of the industries, wine, beer, and spirits, got sat down in a room and said, all right, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Let's make a bill right. that actually works for everybody. You know, Brian covered that a little bit earlier, but um, so Rand Rand is on board, except for what the wine people want. Weird that a Kentucky guy doesn't doesn't want tax breaks for wine country. Yeah, uh, not sure why that is. That doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was we don't we can't support it, but we don't oppose it. If tax reform goes through, it'll be in that bill and it'll go through smoothly. So it's so. kind of what you were just saying, then, Brian. Yeah, right. Well, and essentially, too, let me. We should probably back up and preface that this, this, these bills have pretty much a zero percent chance of ever going on the floor on their own. They will never get a vote. It just that's not how it works. There's only two ways this could potentially go through. One, the most likely scenario is that this bill will then be rolled into the bigger uh, tax code reform bill that the Republicans are really trying to push now. Um, And because this has bipartisan support, it shouldn't have any problem going into that tax bill. Uh, Hopefully, fingers crossed there. But essentially, that's the most likely way this bill will get a vote, is if it's part of a much bigger reform side. The other option is that it gets rolled into another bill, uh, and they're talking right now about essentially it's like a... FAA, right? uh, I think it's like a air traffic... Yeah, what is it? FFA or... Not FFA. Which I actually don't know what that is. FAA, yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's a travel bill uh, that essentially they might be able to put it in. And this happens all the time where they put multiple bills into another bill and they just kind of... Is, is there like, a strategy you know, to that? The they're like Russian yeah, nesting they're dolls. To, is there a strategy that like, oh yeah, and then there's this one. Like, are they like tucking it away yeah. around other bills? Yep, they're trying to put it with something that everyone can support or was most likely going to be supported. So they this happens all the time. It's yeah. a weird part of the fucking government where they basically have to stuff these bills into other bills that have nothing to do with the original concept. So those are the only two ways those are the only two ways this will likely go through is if it can get, be a part of the bigger tax reform bill that they're going to start focusing on Congress now that Healthcare is probably going to take a back seat. We'll see, uh, or they'll put it in some other random bill that has nothing it's to crazy. do with beverage alcohol at all. So that's that's worth noting. But okay, so the reason we're do- we were doing this whole fly-in is because it's more likely that this bill will get <laughs> stuffed into another bill. If it has enough co-sponsors, the more co-sponsors it has, the more likely it will be acceptable to put it in. So right now it's. Because it doesn't have as many Senate co-sponsors as it needs to pass on its own, which it never would, it's going to be harder to stick it into another bill, if that makes sense. It's a weird, convoluted way the governmental legislative process works, I but that's I, what we were yeah. informed that's, of. This Colton, is great. I mean, I what this episode is, is really is, is exploiting me as knowing zero things about how the government works, which is <laughs> <laughs> it's really depressing. But... Uh, it's true. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, uh, now I understand what you guys were doing there way more and how important it was. But okay, so let me th- say this when I'm thinking right. of it. What's the timing like? So 
if we're, we're saying if it gets nested in another bill, like, what are we thinking? I mean, what if it, it gets nested in, uh, in tax reform, it gets passed in the fall, in theory, and then probably start of the new year or second quarter next yep. year, something like that. Okay. So we're looking at, like, it may be implemented in 2018. Yep. Yeah, very likely. And if it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's probably fucked for a very long time. So essentially, people were pretty candid that a tax reform bill, a big one, is really only ever going to happen once because the last tax reform they did was essentially what they say, Colton, like 20 I mean, or 30 years ago. In, and again, I should have this stat, but I it don't. It would have been. But it's Bush's been a very long tax, time right? since like the tax. 20 years ago, or even Clinton. But probably. Yeah. So yeah, 19, 20 years ago. Uh, so, so essentially we're looking at We've got one really good shot at this And it's a really good shot right. But it's kind of a one, you know, one shot wonder If we miss this opportunity It's going to be a long time before we get this put in Anywhere else Not saying it can't be done I don't want to be a doomsayer But and now it's definitely It's got to happen This is the difference between some people making a profit And some businesses shaking out And closing up shop That's a huge deal to the industry So, Oh yeah for sure if I had to sum up the two biggest things in the industry that the industry would benefit from, it would be FET tax reduction and direct-to-consumer sales, which is a whole nother podcast, a whole nother can of yeah, worms yeah. we can get into. That's going to be a big talking point. But those are the two top things I see in the industry right now. Shelf space and yeah. taxes, essentially. Cool. All right. So that was that sounds like a whole day worth of just doing that and talking to staffers. Yeah, and you know that was that was one of the things, especially on such a busy healthcare day. I felt like everyone we went into, it was great that we were there and got to talk to them, but that I wasn't really doing all that much. Like you know, they'll remember me be maybe because I showed my face, but any actual argument we made is just you know should have done like the old half baked Dave Chappelle, and they're like, oh, black ass, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Well, and I have to say, I don't know for sure. We'll have to talk to uh, Margie and Mark Schilling and some of the people at ACSA. But I think maybe one of the things that might have held us back for lobbying with some of the senators that haven't signed on is that we may not have just had enough representation from distillers in those states. So we had 50 people from 24 states. So we only had less than half of the states represented there. So it's kind of hard to go in and talk to those senators if you don't have a rep of any kind or, you know, a, a representative who works in that and lives in that state there. So I don't know that that's true or not. That's a question we should pose to them because I feel like there's, we spent a lot of time, at least on my side, I went and talked to a lot of people that had already co-sponsored and it was just a quick, Hey, thank you very much. What else, you know, what else can we do to get your other senators and representatives signed on? So that felt like it was nice, but I don't know how beneficial it was besides keeping their vote, I guess. Uh, it felt like it would have been great to go visit some of these other senators and try and knock them down. Well, again, though, like I spent my entire day with senators, with just senators. I didn't see a single House person, and none of them had signed on. I did both Kentucky, ten, I, I dropped off things at Tennessee office, but they, neither of them were there. We did Florida and Nevada. And none of those guys are co-sponsors, so it's basically. So what you're saying is if this because they fails is your fault because they saw my face. face. <laughs> like, that God, was not your grinder pick. Damn you it, were a liar. <laughs> yeah, because your grinder picks just your. What was my it, grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, his one. grinder pick is my pick. Confused. Yeah, I only know that. I only can tell the difference in you from the small of your backs. <laughs> That's gross. Uh, is what it is because I never want to see either the small of your back. <laughs> Shit, that was that was awesome. That was a good one. I like that. Uh, Colton, do you want to go over some more of your day before I jump in? Because we also had a kind of a breakfast and a lunch uh, meeting with some people that is worth going over as well. Yeah, I, I did skip over the breakfast a little no, bit. No, it's okay. Oh. I was asking you shit questions. That's <laughs> yeah. not fair. Uh, well, it yeah, was. so let's, let's because the breakfast or the lunch was really important, so mm-hmm. let me skip over that. We can talk about that in more detail. But after, so I did Rand Paul's office, then... Um, then I went to Bob or, uh, to Corker's office, dropped off because he's not a co-sponsor either. Dropped off um, our information. Maybe he'll read it. Hopefully. Um, then went to the lunch. After lunch, I went to McConnell's office. Now, he's not a co-sponsor, but that's also no reasonable because the leader of the house isn't going to sign on to. They just don't. They just don't sign on to bills like this to yeah. begin with. Seems like um, a bad political move. Yeah, I guess they just don't have. They're, they're, I got time they're busier. For this. They ain't got yeah. time. <laughs> he was busy, you know, dealing with a healthcare debacle. I'm pretty so. sure that's exactly how he said it. I ain't got time for this. Um, it was really funny. Uh, we were talking to McConnell's staff, and we told them we we're like, "Yeah, it was weird." Rand Rand's staff was saying that, you know, he was he was cool with the bill, and you know, wrote part of it and everything, and it was only that. The wine, um, the wine tax relief was his problem, and McConnell's staff was me like, "Oh no, that's a rumor." I'm like, well, they told it to us, so they're spreading that rumor. Man, but- <laughs> it's like people yeah. in politics talk out of both sides of their mouth. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Learning so much about politics, um, but they were they were really they were helpful. Um, this is where we'll need to go back into detail about the luncheon, but. At the luncheon, we talked a lot about moving the bill. If it didn't go through in tax reform, it would go through in FAA. And we mentioned that because we'd just come from the lunch. And McConnell's staff was like, yeah, that was, you know, last year that's where they tried to pass the bill. And we failed miserably at that, and we don't think it's going to happen again. Which hmm. So we really needed to go through in tax reform, hopefully. All right, well, Brian, why don't you talk about your day, and then you I didn't do shit. dive deep I didn't- into the lunch. I, I got breakfast. I went to lunch. Yeah, the other time I was sleeping in the hotel. So I, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a distiller. This like isn't going to put any money in my pocket. What do I give a shit? Fuck <laughs> yeah. The more distillers yeah, there right. are. The, it definitely puts the, money in your it, pocket. It maintains dumb, dumb. an industry for me to cover journalistically. So yeah, it's kind of a plus. Who do you think reads your magazine? Uh... Nobody. But, but, <laughs> yeah. If if somebody were to read your magazine, it might be someone in it. I'm always really impressed when Ashley, our uh, VP of Sales, when she's like, "Oh, so I read an article the other day in our magazine. It's really good. I know." <laughs> oh god. So okay. So my day was pretty straightforward. I had a much less. Like it, it was basically kind of like a thank you to her, I guess. So we had a lot of people signed on. So we went to uh, some representative. I won't even go through the full list. I'll just say we, we touched on Oregon, Wyoming, Montana. Uh, we And I personally went to some of the people from Washington, senders and uh, representatives. And it was essentially thank you. So the only one 
who we visited who hadn't been signed on was a senator from Montana. I'm forgetting his name not right now. I believe it was Davis. Um, he, Danes, it was Danes, I'm sorry. He had not signed on yet. And Courtney McKee from Headframe Spirit, she led that group. We Each group had a leader uh, from their state who basically their goal as the leader was to sit down with either the staff, or in this case, it was actually the senator. We got to see a couple senators and a couple uh, representatives. Uh, she went through and said, here's all the talking points. Here's what's important. <clears throat> here's why we want to do it. Why aren't you signed on yet? Oh, and prior to that, she actually goes around the room. Everyone explains who they are, where they're from, and why they're there, which goes really quick and then she puts it to him why aren't you signed on yet and he said oh i'm going to sign we just have it yet he looks at his staffer and says hey we were signed on the last one right uh why aren't we there yet <clears throat> staffer goes oh yeah we just haven't got around to it on our legislative calendar we'll get it signed up today mm-hmm. one of the guys asked how long does that take And they're like now you're cutting in and out there brian yeah i do so where did we cut out when i was talking about danes i think it's danes uh you were talking Actually, about you were talking about your meeting with Montana, which I think was yeah. the biggest. Yeah. That was the only flip we had all day. So it was, was the great. only flip. And essentially it wasn't much of a flip because he was already on board. He just had not, due to scheduling, not had his staff attach his name directly to the bill. So essentially when they co-sponsor, the, the legislative staff basically goes online and adds their name to the government registry or however it works and that will take up to 48 hours to show up so essentially courtney said why aren't you signed on he's like oh don't worry we're signed on staffer take care of it staffer said okay they're done so yeah we did have one flip essentially That's uh and yeah, that was great. So that was a good experience, just getting a chance to hear him say, yeah, I support you. Montana Spirits have been great. We know that it does this, this, and this, uh, and it adds jobs, and so on. So in that case, it was it was a solid yes. We got it added on. I think So did that put us at 46 now? I don't know if they've updated the numbers for ACS. 46, the and then we actually, I think we got another senator. Um, one of the guys who came up was from Georgia, and he's got a family friend who's a senator, so he That's got right. like, actual FaceTime with a senator and was able that to was, talk uh, him to maybe I think that was Nate else. from Two James in Detroit, I think, if I remember right. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't him? <laughs> that is who, terribly who was wrong. It? it was Chris from Ghost That is Coast inaccurate information, <laughs> fake news, Brian. Yeah, you're 100% it was, uh, wrong. Chris from uh, Ghost Coast down in Savannah. Right. Uh, That's right. I was completely wrong. Chris, Chris is super cool. Swiss, 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 Swiss. Yeah, that is his last Dude, name. His, name, his last name is <laughs> like right. a planet or a system in Star Wars. In Scientology. In Scientology. <laughs> that is amazing. I really like him, and I hope that he never listens to it or listens to it. Uh, he's, he's really, I like him. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah, they're great guys. Yeah. That's good. So that was good. So maybe 47. Yeah, which. So, yeah. So, which is great. So. Yeah. So anyway, that was essentially my day. And then the two big points worth noting, and I'll actually start with the lunch and then go back to the breakfast. The lunch was specifically, it was an actual fundraiser for Representative Kevin Brady out of Texas. And he knows, he's known Mark Schilling, the current president of ACSA, for 30 plus years. Uh, they joked about each other's hair. Mark has this incredible rocker long hair, and uh, Brady has no hair. So they like. Brady oh. does not. <laughs> Brady has absolutely no hair. So Kevin Brady is awesome. He is he is the uh, chair of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, Ways and Means Committee, which is really really fucking big deal. And he supports us. He is one of the big guys 
that pushed this through the house or got all the co-sponsors on at the house level. So this was actually a fundraising luncheon for him specifically to basically it's the industry saying, Hey, thank you for supporting us. You're our guy. And this is our way to make sure you get reelected. So that's, that was kind of a big deal in that regard. So the lunch was a meet and greet. We all sat down, a bunch of us chatted with him. He spent a lot of time, obviously, with the representatives from Texas, the people there, which there was actually, that was the biggest delegation of states was Texas. I think we had five or six people from Texas, something like that, including well, five the or six distilleries, uh, and some of them brought more than one Distilleries, person, so. yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, so we did that. And the whole, again, the whole point of that was to thank him. And then he gave a little speech as well, took a bunch of questions. He was a really good guy. I enjoyed talking to him. Um, but that was, that was the whole goal of the lunch. Uh, am I missing anything on that, Colton? No, I mean, maybe we could talk about a little about his, uh, he did his little speech and then took some questions. Um, and somebody brought yeah. up, you know, putting it in FAA. <laughs> um, yeah, he was not as enthused about that idea. Basically, I think it's seems to me the big point, the big takeaway from the day for the couple conversations I had was tax reform or nothing. So that's what it sounds yeah. like to me from yeah. knowing nothing uh, an hour ago. Agreed, agreed, and and he yeah, Kevin Brady made it pretty clear that he did not. He basically said there was no yeah. chance that was going to happen. Cool. So that was a really good lunch. It was nice to talk with him. I know they, I don't know exactly how much they raised for him on that, uh, but that was that was a good meeting there. And then backing up, so we started with a breakfast that was two parts. It actually started with talks from three representatives from the TTB. So that was kind of a sidebar, which I think we should get into either in this podcast or maybe even another one, because this could be a whole other conversation about TTB efforts there. But we'll at least cover yeah. a little bit of it. I'll give a recap. Uh, but the key of that also was it was TTB and then also Senator uh, Ron Wyden from Oregon, who is another really big promoted, uh, proponent and co-sponsor of this, uh, in really good with House Spirits, those guys, former president of ACSA, Tom Mooney. They know each other for a long time. So he gave another speech to kind of kick off the day saying, why it was important, what we had to do to get more senators on. So he kind of gave us kind of a rah-rah speech and then gave us some advice. So that was really good to have as well. Yeah. Colton, uh, what am was, I missing on that too? He was pretty uh, charismatic, which was fun to see. Oh, uh, that's cool. Just see a senator. He like, was he awesome. Was, you know, 9, 8.30 in the morning, he was amped up. Oh, he's, got, he's got your 85-year-old time. Yeah. But. <laughs> no, that was one thing I'll say that I was surprised at with my preconceptions about government every senator at least and the representatives we met to kevin brady being one they were all incredibly sincere either they're just really good at being practiced but i expected them to be a little more formal super practiced but they were very sincere kind so how many excited, how many genuine. senators I, did you actually i was really meet? taken aback because i met zero besides i met widen but i met i met I met Wyoming, Montana, I'm Oregon. Like actual senators, not senator staff. No, that's what I'm saying. I actually, yeah, actual senators. On, I met. I think I met three. Okay. Yeah, on that day. Yeah, because the Wyoming senator also came in. We started with staff, or actually, uh, Montana. We started with a staff meeting, and then this, the senator came in halfway through. And then Wyoming, he was there, and he sat down with us immediately. So huh. I met three, including Ron White. That I mean, it sounds. Like when you guys said you were going or whatever, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Blah, Jason Zeno, that's how I, blah, whatever. <laughs> you know, my typical response to everything. But uh, it sounds actually <laughs> kind of cool. I had an interesting I'm really glad we got to go. 
after McConnell's office, we went to, and I'm going to blank on his name. I'll look it up later. Um, cool. That really the, means a lot to him. Yeah, well, he didn't sign on to the bill, so. <laughs> uh, one of the Florida senators. So fuck him. And that was pretty interesting because. Florida like, man. Florida man. Florida man says no. <laughs> okay, where the fuck were we? We were talking no, about no, the no, breakfast no, no. thing, I was right? About, uh, Ra- Wyden. Yeah, Ron Wyden. Florida He's man. cool. So, what the fuck happened in Florida? We I'm forgetting. Heard through most of the day, uh, we don't, we can't support it. We can't support it, but we, we don't are. oppose it. <laughs> so the Florida delegation was the They said essentially the same thing But they were the most anti-supporting it I'd seen of that day Basically what they were saying is Well, since the bill is going to be in tax reform um, Each senator only gets one or two asks Of adding extra bills and you know um, cookies in and Florida has to focus on the citrus growers and everything so hard that they can't at all. They can't do anything but that. Right. They were basically like, there's no chance. You know, you're not, you're not citrus. You're not, you're not. It's not happening for us. Plus, you know, you already have Wyden and you have you know, forty four other senators on board. You don't need us. Well, we didn't find that argument very credible. It's a reasonable right. argument. So. Which. No, that's right. I, I remember that now. The big problem with that argument, unfortunately for us, is that, again, it may not make yeah. it in the greater tax bill if it doesn't have enough co-sponsors to basically hit that critical mass. So they're kind of saying, yeah, we'll definitely sign on when you're on the bigger bill, but without their signature, we can't get on the bigger bill. So it's kind of puts us in a shitty position. But yeah, you're right. They were probably the most... Uh, Non unsupportive, non supportive yeah. words. Um, all right, we're definitely having an error here, so give me a second. Okay, so you can probably guess that that was not how we intended to end that episode, but it happens. We are actually going to have a follow up to that FET reduction part two available on our website, stilltalkingpodcast.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, it's at stillcast across the board. Thank you guys so much for listening, and please come back. All right, bye.